Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Welcome to Black Feminist Rants, where we center conversations on reproductive justice and activism. I am your host, Lakia Williams, and let's begin. Welcome back to Black Feminist Rants, and welcome to the first episode of the new year. This year is definitely feeling like a year of beginnings and fresh starts, and I know everybody says that every single year, but for those of you who don't know, I recently moved to Oakland, California on December 30th, so I literally brought in the new year and a whole new environment, whole new job, whole new space. So it was definitely feeling like, I hate to say it, but new year, new me. (laughs) Okay. Um, And while my move and new opportunities feel really aligned with my future goals, both professionally and personally, I still hate change. And even though, you know, I've moved around a lot, if you know anything about me, you know, I've lived in several places, Um, And then, of course, COVID bringing so much unexpected change and heartbreak, I feel like myself and honestly, all of us are really well adapted to change because of COVID. Um, I still hate it. I still hate change. And even though this is change that I sought out, you know, just to develop more and like grow into the person I want to be, I still hate the growing pains of change. But I'm also just like really excited for what the new year is going to bring, what the new environment is going to bring. Um, and just kind of seeing what my journey will be like. And so this episode is not going to be long by any means. It's kind of like scripted, like I've written out some notes, but I'm just going to be kind of talking. Um, I really just want to put on episode for, you know, the two, 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 you know, the angel numbers, just putting in some good energy <laughs> and some manifestations, honestly. But I'm also going to be talking about not only myself, but um, kind of like my hopes and like my reflections for like, what liberation looks like for people, you know, worldwide, worldwide, but, you know, specifically centering Black people and Black women even more specifically. And I started thinking about liberation more broadly as I was thinking about the changes that I've made individually um, and how I feel like I'm in the process of outgrowing my old self, um, the self who is so used to, so accustomed to academic and professional affirmation that it had really became my entire personality. And odds are, if you're listening to this episode, um, it's because you know me in an academic or professional capacity. And so much love and praise for me came from the work I did in community, the things I accomplished or the goals I set. And while I love that and don't stop, (laughs) um, and I really appreciate it and it really does help with, you know, imposter syndrome and just, you know, existing in this world as someone who has marginalized identities, it still is a little bittersweet because where is that same love and support for us when we're just existing? Um, and I have a friend, her name's Juju, and I she was trying to teach me this in a very careful way while I was in college. And I don't remember her exact words or what she said, um, but I do remember her trying to get at this to me, kind of trying to tell me how you know, what I do and what I accomplish is not the end-all be-all and that's not where all of my value comes from, but like my value comes from just existing and the people that 
I impact and the people who I love and just existing you know it's not about accomplishing things I could go on the rest of my life and not accomplish a thing and I would still be valuable and I think she and this is all I haven't spoken to her about this but this is all kind of my assumption but I think she maybe tiptoed around that conversation or was very careful around it because especially we both went to the same college we went to a PWI in the south Um, and she did organizing work. She was a year older than me, but she did organizing um, work on campus as well before me. Um, and kind of, I'm pretty sure got a lot of that, you know, oh, you're doing great work and kind of affirmation and accolades around the work she does, um, in similar ways that I was. And I feel like maybe she saw the reckoning that I was going to eventually have because she already had it and how you pour your you pour so much of yourself into something and feel like you get so little return and then you kind of wish for well if people supported me and you know spoke these great things into me as an individual and as just a human being just a person as much as they did as you know Lakia the organizer or you know Juju the organizer then maybe I wouldn't feel like I had to be productive and do so much in order to you know be valued sorry that was really convoluted (laughs) whoopsies I got off from my point but I think the reason that she tiptoed around it is because when you identify so heavily with your accomplishments when someone tries to tell you that your accomplishments aren't the end-all be-all it can sometimes elicit a defensive reaction because we're, we're we're told that that's how we're valuable that's where our value comes from and then if someone tells you well, no, that's not where your value comes from. It's like, mm, what do you mean? I've done, I've done this, that, da, 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 da. Even though I would have never reacted like that, um, I definitely understand where like the caution comes from. And I'm gonna have to text you, do and talk to her about this because I've been reflecting on like that conversation we've had. I don't even know if she remembers it, but it's been making me think about how I feel like black girls are only loved when we are trying to save the world. So many organizations and companies say they support black girls and women and people, but that support for us goes only as far as we are marketable for them to funders. They support us for the media hits and the grant making, but in real life, in actuality, we are overworked, underpaid, and disregarded. It makes me think a lot about if, you know, listen to black women, trust black women, Black Lives Matter wasn't trending and popular now and didn't, you know, garner news articles and an uptick in funding how many of these so-called allies and organizations whether black-led or not would really be here in community supporting us they can throw us pennies to do work and organizing and activism and community and then use our success to put in reports for grants and make 10 times that amount back and while this is a systemic issue at the grant making level and the funding level it still impacts people on the individual organizing grassroots level. People in the C-suites at these large, very corporate-like nonprofits are going to be paid well. But the people that are in community doing a bulk of the work, not all of the work, but a bulk of the work, we are always the last thought. It's hard not to think of freedom and liberation on a macro level but it really happens on an individual and community level. The impact we have on those we are most connected to are so much deeper and impactful than the impact most of us can make on large groups. 
Yes, we can inspire and educate tons of people, but we can actually change the material conditions of the people closest to us. And that's something I've been reflecting on with BFR. Now, BFR isn't some super large platform, but I do think through this platform, I do share knowledge with people and maybe inspire them and maybe they learn a few things. Um, And while there's, you know, a large number of people who may tune in to each episode, that impact is minuscule, minuscule, minuscule compared to the impact that I could have like on my little brother, on the black women who are younger than me, who look up to me, the ones I know in community, the ones I've gone to school with, the ones I've grown up with. What I can do and the support I can have on them is so much deeper than any inspiration or knowledge I can share through this platform. And while I love this platform, and I'm going to get into that at the end, and I think inspiration and education is so important, and y'all know I'm a Dorothy Roberts stan. Any chance I get, I'm tweeting her, I'm DMing her, whatever. And she has impacted me so much. But still, the women in my life, like Christian Adams and my mom and all the black women in my life, all the women in my life, they're all black, but um, not all of them. You know, Claire, Dr. Claire Daniels from Tulane. Those people can have so much more of an impact on me than Dorothy Roberts ever could because I'm in community with them. And I think even that mindset of we have to touch the most people possible is a byproduct of capitalism. More is better. More, more, more. The more people who I can reach, the more people I can get to tune in and come to my trainings or listen to my podcast or watch my YouTube video or read my blog post or whatever avenue or medium you use to do the work that you do, we think the more the better. But that's not true. The deeper the better. If I have three people who I know I can impact and I really show up consistently and support them and support them getting to a place in their life that they want to be in and just pouring into them, that's going to mean so much more than me growing the BFR audience by 50%. And it's wild to think that even within social justice spaces, even in spaces that are anti-capitalist, anti-imperialist, and we know all this stuff, we know, you know, all of the atrocities of the U.S. and other, you know, global empires that we still are subconsciously, unconsciously, I don't know. But anyways, that we are still like permeated with like these concepts of, you know, grind culture and capitalism without even being aware. And honestly, as I'm recording this episode, I'm actively reflecting and how, okay, Got to grow the TikTok account, got to grow the Instagram account, got to grow the Spotify listeners, got to grow the platform because that will be a signal of success for me. And I need a signal of success to feel validated and to feel valued. That whole process from start to finish is bound up in this concept of capitalism. My value is bound up in what I'm able to produce. And the more that I can produce, the more valuable I am. And it's hard to get out of that process, right? Because the more we produce, 
the more we're congratulated, even by the people that we're in community with who are anti-capitalists, who know about all the systems and all the isms. And that goes back to the convo I was having with Juju. Of course, you want your friends and your peers and your mentors to congratulate you for doing, for accomplishing something. And they should. And we deserve to get praise. But I feel like, at least in my life, so much of the praise has been centered about what I've accomplished or produced. And not enough on me just existing. And I feel like that's what Juju was trying to do. And I think that's something that more of us should do. (laughs) Actively, all the time. And I'm going to be honest with y'all. I'm type, I'm I'm a little type A. My friend Kyla says that. I think it's because my rising is Capricorn. I don't know. I get it confused. I don't know. One's Capricorn, one's Cancer. I think my rising is Capricorn. No, my moon's Capricorn. Okay, she says because my moon's Capricorn, that means I'm type A. I'm a little type A. So I'm not going to front like, oh, I'm just going to let go of wanting affirmation and and a congratulation. No, still congratulate me. I like to hear that. My love language is words of affirmation. But while I can still enjoy hearing congratulations and affirmation, I don't need to tie my value to it. And that gets me to my next little topic topic. For 2022 and eternity, I am hoping that black women and people have lives centered around pleasure, especially us and movement work. Our lives get so focused on the work that we're doing. And I'm not saying the corporate girlies don't have it the same, but the difference is we feel that our work is work towards liberation. And everyone in movement space is going to make sacrifices for work that they feel is liberatory. You know, it's, it's kind of easy to clock out of your nine to five working for some corporate job that's just like, you know, whatever pays well. But when you feel like your work is a path towards revolution, that is such a quick trap to neglect yourself. And that is the antithesis of revolution. That is the antithesis of liberation. There is nothing liberatory about black people overworking themselves and being underpaid. That sounds a lot like something that happened a couple hundred years ago. I don't know what it is, riddle me that, but yeah, we not overworking and being underpaid in the name of a revolution. Cause that's a revolution we don't need to be a part of. That is a revolution being sold back to us by the people we are trying to be liberated from. But anyways, back to my pleasure piece. (laughs) Um, I'm hoping for all black people, just lives of pleasure and all types of pleasure. Um, And when I first started BFR in the first season, I had an episode with Irma Garcia. And I'm not sure if this clip made it into the episode, but we did talk about this um, because she was talking about self-pleasure and sex ed and self-pleasure as activism. And I was saying, you know, I don't masturbate. You know, I, I believe what you say. I believe that pleasure is activism, but I just personally don't like to masturbate. Let me tell you, I'm getting my toy at least three to five times a week. I went back home to my mom's um, like two or three weeks ago and I was only going to be there for one night. I made sure I packed my vibrator, my charger and my lube. I don't want to be caught without it. <laughs> and I think that speaks to a lot of growth. <laughs> And you know, your pleasure does not have to be masturbation. But if you think that you don't like to masturbate, I just challenge you 
to really introspect and really see why that may be. It's definitely not for everyone, but odds are it probably is for you and you just don't know it. And there's probably a reason why you are distancing yourself from it. Um, And I know because it was me. (laughs) But another way that I really want to center pleasure in my life outside of, you know, self-pleasure and masturbating is really just doing things that bring me joy. I'm going to travel. I'm going to eat good. I'm going to take time off when I need it and not when I think I've earned it. And one of the biggest things for me is I'm going to take life slow. I think all my overachievers can feel me when I say we move through life too fast. We race to deadlines, rush to finish one assignment so we can start on another. We finish work to then immediately work on a passion project. We say yes to too many things and only say no to ourselves. And instead of, and what's really inspired me to really do this is because instead of telling, you know, younger black girls or people who ask me, oh, how do you do it all or whatever, instead of telling them, you know, don't be like me, prioritize yourself, prioritize pleasure and joy and connections. I'm just going to do it. I'm just going to live it. And then they will see me living my life in a way that I think all people, especially black women and girls, should live their lives. And they won't even have to ask me. And when they do ask me, I can tell them and I can also just say, and just watch how I live my life. You won't see me, you know, working past five. You won't see me sacrificing sacrificing sleep to do some work. You won't see me neglecting to, you know, be in community with my family and my friends. You won't see me doing that. Because for me, liberation looks like being present in life and really honoring what I want to do and what brings me pleasure and not being overworked and underpaid. It's not an option. Everything I've said connects to freedom. Reproductive justice and the pursuit of liberation is about radical love for oneself and one's neighbor. And everything I've said is connected to freedom. Reproductive justice and the pursuit of liberation is about radical love for oneself and one's neighbor. And so often in movement work, we neglect ourselves and neglect connecting with our friends and families because of the work we do. But that is the antithesis of liberation. How are we going to overwork and exhaust ourselves in the name of liberation when liberation is freedom from exploitation? We have to be example we want to see in the world. And if we are the people in the movement who know about the systems and the isms and the oppressions, and we can't even embody what liberation is, how do we expect corporate America and the actively, actively racist people to ever get on board? We have to model it. Now, I know this episode is already pretty different from a typical BFR episode, but I also want to just take the time out to explicitly thank everyone who has ever supported the podcast. I didn't have any explicit goals when creating BFR, and I still know that we have already surpassed any goals I could have created. BFR and the platform that I've built around BFR means so much to me, and even though it is so much work, and I mean so much work... (laughs) I have never thought about stopping, even as I've transitioned to working full-time. BFR brings me so much joy, and watching it grow is just mind-blowing to me. I've grown so much since the first episode, and it honestly blows my mind that people who were supporting BFR back when it first started are still rocking with it today. (laughs) And there's so many new people, too, and so many people sharing it with their friends and their families and their peers and, you know, their coworkers. I don't know, because it's growing, so y'all are sharing it with somebody. Um, it just, it's so mind blowing to me, especially because I was like always the one who was just like the motor mouth as my family would call me, 
Um, I got called the social butterfly, you know, in elementary school, which is so funny because now in real life, I feel like I come off very antisocial, very standoffish. But back then I was super bubbly and super talkative and was always told, you know, be quiet, calm down, like stop talking so much. And now look, people actually, you know, tune in to hear me talk. <laughs> so I really, um, this is definitely, what do they call it? This is definitely healing my inner child. <laughs> um, but yeah, I just really enjoy BFR so much. Even though it's so much work, like y'all, it's so much work. Actually, I'm going to pivot and, you know, wrap up this episode. Before I wrap, before I wrap up, I want to say, if you made it all the way to the end of this episode, you're a real one, and I wanted to let you know, I'm currently looking for a production assistant. Um, there's more inf- information on the website, which I'll link in the description, but it's $15 an hour for 5 to 10 hours a week for the rest of 2020, and the deadline to apply is um, March 3rd. There's no education requirement or podcast experience, just a dedication to reproductive justice and love for black people. So like I was saying, you know, doing this podcast is kind of a lot of work. So if you want to come support this work, um, yeah, definitely apply. Also, if you want to further support BFR, I'm starting a Spotify membership. It's going to be $1.99 a month. Um, And this is really just going to be a space for me to kind of talk more, more so tea. We'll just say tea. Um, everything is going to be like pseudonyms. How do you say it? Pseudonyms? Pseudonyms? I don't know. I'm not using no real names, nothing. I feel like I'm publicly tied to a lot of different organizations. So I don't speak on much on the podcast podcast, but on the memberships, I feel like, you know, I'm going to talk a little bit more about some stuff, but I'm still going to keep it cute. We're not going to get too much into too much. And I also wanted to, um, I have so many, (laughs) funny sex stories and like sex faux pas and just life things that I really want to talk about but um sometimes I'd be looking at the BFR Instagram and it'd be like these organizations following and you know EDs of organizations following on their personal page and so like I said I'm gonna just keep it cute we'll keep all that discussion on the membership and if you are an ED of an organization and you just want to know the T in a non-judgmental way you can tune in, but listen, <laughs> you are warned. <laughs> I don't want no judgment, okay? Especially not from none of the RJ people. So leave me alone. But yeah, um, I'll leave some of the description about what the membership will entail, but it'll be two extra members-only episodes every single month. So I know some months I'd be slacking and there's no BFR episode. Well, yeah, if you remember, that's not going to happen because you're going to get one long-form podcast episode, which is... 25 to 30 minutes and one short form podcast episode which is 15 to 25 minutes um and guarantee each month and also i do want to talk um about like pop culture and like social justice reproductive justice black feminism so i'm gonna be doing a little bit of that on the membership that'll be like extra episodes because that's something i want to like practice more so i'm gonna practice it with the members um yeah oh and also i'm gonna be looking to members to suggest topics for me to um talk about on the podcast also so yeah that's what's coming up with bfr um but also if you don't want to be a member and you just want to support you can donate i haven't asked for donations in like literally almost a year so you know black history month is about to wrap up and if you haven't done your due diligence especially as a white person on black history month go ahead sign up for a bit to be a member and then donate and then share and then send a podcast to one of your friends and then pay reparations, and then donate to a mutual aid, and then fund somebody's abortion, and then pay reparations, and then DM me, and we can think about more things you can do as a white person, specifically in Black History Month. 
but indefinitely. Okay, thank you for listening to this episode. I really love all y'all. Y'all are like the best and I'll see you later.